Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. For another week of NFL football, and let's talk about it, shall we? It's a big game coming up in Seattle on Sunday when the Seahawks take on the Houston Texans. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Judah Newby. Perkins, first half of the season, I've been, I mean, obviously, I've been invested emotionally and been watching every Seahawks game very intently, but with the overall perspective of wait and see, wait and see, wait and see, it's a long season. The form that this team is currently in is not necessarily indicative of how they finish the year. If there's anything we should have learned as football fans, it's that. It's a long year. I, you know where I stand on this, and you agree. You can probably divide it up into three portions before you even get to the playoffs. But now with this game coming up, I'm getting really excited. This is one of the first true show-me games of the season for the Seahawks. I agree. And, you know, you look at a Texans team that's coming into town here that is a lot better, right, than I think a lot of us anticipated they would be. At the beginning of the year, you would have thought this would be a slam-dunk home run win for Seattle, but then you look at, uh, you know, how well Watson has played, you know, how well the defense has played in spite of the fact that J.J. Watt has been injured, and all of a sudden this doesn't look like the no-brainer that you once thought it was. And Seattle's gotten some good wins, Judah. They've won three in a row. Um, You know, they beat a, a pretty good Rams team that I think the jury's still out on as well. But you beat the Colts and the Giants in your other two wins, and that leaves, I still think, a lot of room for question marks and a lot of room for, uh, hey, I still need to see you prove it to me by beating a quality team. And that can start this Sunday, right, against the Texans. Yeah, this would certainly qualify. And one thing you think about Houston, historically, very strong defensive-oriented team in the past, um, winning the AFC South with semi-regularity, pretty dismal division. At times, uh, at times advancing to the divisional round where they end up, you know, losing to a New England Patriots or uh, an opponent like that. But they've never really had a quarterback, whether it's a Yates or an Osweiler or a Savage. Like, when was the last time? Schaub. Or Schaub, right? Schaub, who at one point was good and then reached his breaking point probably in that arguably that 2013 season. When Richard Sherman picked sixth him. When Richard Sherman picked sixth him and one of the greatest beast mode runs I've ever seen from the goal line of his five-yard line all the way out to the 50, refusing to go down. One of the greatest Seahawk turnovers forced I've ever seen when Brandon Browner laid a hit and Bobby Wagner tipped the ball up into the air and I think K.J. Wright ultimately had an interception. I got to go watch that game again. That was one of my favorite games to watch. It was a, a crazy game, too, yeah. and like super intense. Amazing football and game. And a huge win. Like If you think about that season and how things could have gone if they had lost that game, like... Wow. It was an amazing, yeah. amazing victory. And now the Texans come to Seattle. It will be a 105 kick. It will be on CBS. Chances are this will be a Nance Romo game, which would be nice. Hopefully. It would be nice to have Tony Romo break down the Seahawks. It would be. He's good. Though we will see it in a few weeks regardless, but it would it, be nice to see it here. That's true. Um, but now the Texans have a quarterback. And it took them long enough to make the switch from Yates over to uh, Watson. Watson, a guy that they trade up to take 12th overall, perennial winner in college, a little bit down of a senior year in terms of touchdown and interception ratio, but he pulled off one of the biggest wins in college football history, leading Clemson over Alabama 
in the national title game rematch his senior season. This guy can play. He's the real deal. He has done nothing but impress since he came onto the scene around week three. And the Texans have the NFL's highest scoring offense since he was inserted as the starting quarterback, averaging about 37 points a game. While the Seahawks defense, in the same time frame, fewest points allowed per game. This is strength on strength. And the whole idea of a rookie quarterback coming in a CenturyLink field with high expectations, that's always a fun storyline to watch. Yeah, and, and Watson, you know, has a really good arm. And, you know, especially for a guy that's, you know, first year in the NFL, it's really impressive. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. The Seahawks have something to prove. So do the Texans. You look at the teams that they have played in the last, you know, three games that they have won have all come against really low-rated DVOA defensive teams, especially pass defense teams. So we're talking about uh, a, a another team, much like Seattle, where Seattle's offense has played better the last several weeks. But who have they played? They've played the Giants, whose defense is pretty good, not great, at least so far this year. You have the Colts, eh. And you have the the uh, the Rams, which defense is uh, certainly not what it used to be. Let's put it that way. Definitely more of a focus on offense. So you have uh, two offenses here that I think have a lot to prove against two good defenses. So, you know, I know that the Texans have played really well, but when you look at the teams that they have faced, I don't think that Watson has faced a secondary or a defense like Seattle is going to bring, especially at home. We know how well Seattle's defense plays at home. And... You know, the Cliff Averill injury is a big deal. Michael Bennett has been dealing with the plantar fascia issue. He's been, I don't want to say a non-factor because he's had some plays, but he's really not been the enforcer that we've come to know and love over the past several years. So, you know, the pass rush might be in question a little bit, but overall Seattle's defense is so good that Watson's going to face his first real true test of his career. Seattle kind of addressed depth on the defensive line with the signing of Dwight Freeney. Always a fun one, right? He's a championship-caliber player, historically. He's 37 years old. He played in the Super Bowl and got a sack in the Super Bowl last year uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, playing for Dan Quinn. Uh, when he arrives to the VMAC, he says Seattle is always a place that he's wanted to play in his career. Well, now he's going to get that opportunity. With the Cliff Averill absence, with the Frank Clark penalty issues that you brought up the other day, and just the overall necessity to have pass rush depth, not a bad thing to have a guy like Dwight Freeney on the field and hopefully contributing every now and then, but especially in the locker room. That's that's a nice little veteran presence to have if you try to want to make a playoff run. What were you doing in 2002? I was watching the first game ever played at CenturyLink Stadium. <laughs> that's when Dwight Freeney was drafted. <laughs> it was 2002 when I was a sophomore in high school. I was in fifth grade. You were in fifth grade. <laughs> and not only that, but Chris Richard was drafted by the Seahawks that same damn year. Out of USC. Played for Pete Carroll. So we're talking about it's insane that Dwight Freeney is now being coached by a guy that was in the same draft class as him, which is crazy when you think about it. That is great to think about. <laughs> wow. But... With all that being said, I want to see Richard getting Dwight's face and just like, <laughs> we need more out of you. <laughs> I I still feel like, I mean, I don't know about you, but people are saying he's going to replace Averill. I don't feel that way at all. Whoa, no. Frank Clark <laughs> is, is going to be the guy, but they need a depth. And that's what Freeney, he's going to be a limited snaps guy. If you If he needs to play full reps and full snaps that's a problem for seattle that's how i look at it oh but for sure yeah. it's good to have it's good to kind of bolster your depth and you know it's at a really low price it's not going to affect much you know beyond this year so um 
you know, it's it's good to see him in a Seahawks uniform. It's cool. He's a legend. So I think it's just for over a million in yeah. base and about eight grand for each game played. Yep. So incentivized in terms of game action up to about one point two million dollars. Um, not too bad at all. You know, where Freeney could be a viable uh, pass rusher is a lot of those situations late in the game. You know, say a quarterback is driving on you, you got to rotate out bodies. You know, Dwight gets in there, it's a third and six, it's a passing down, and he does his patented spin move. That's what he's known for. That's his go-to move is is the spin move, and he gets a sack, and out of, out of nowhere you're like, oh, my God, yeah, that's right, we have to wait for you. <laughs> you know, it, it, won't yeah. be, it won't be like four or five plays in a game, but it'll be one or two big-time moments where I think he can channel some of his uh, inner prime Franey and maybe make an impact. Seattle offensively 17th in DVOA. At this point in the season, but trending upwards, Perkins. We both were talking about what we liked from them and the Giants win last week. Less of it in the first half, but they still moved the ball in both halves. It was just a matter of putting it in the paint in the first half. And in the second half, they opened things up a bit and hit a lot of explosive plays. I like where this offense is going. And and in terms of stock, I'm buying it right now for the Seahawks. Maybe I'm ahead of the curve just a touch, or maybe I'm being a little over-optimistic. It'll be a nice test because Houston, despite not having J.J. Watt, despite not having Whitney Merciless, they still boast a very strong defensive unit. This will be a good test for the Seahawks at home. Wilson looked really comfortable out there uh, against the Giants in both halves. You're right. And the first half, it, it came down to two drops and a fumble that dictated the fact they only had three points on the board. Uh, in the second half, the floodgates finally opened for him there. Um, you know, so I do think that we're going to continue to see improvement there. You know, and I expect Seattle to play well. I know that they're going up against a tough defense, but you know, you have a lot of weapons offensively. Your offensive line's looking better, which is weird to say because if you would have said before the season, Fant and Jokel are both going to be out by week six, you'd be like, oh my god, the world's ending. <laughs> like that's kind of how you would feel a little bit, right? Um, but. I think that, you know, Posick coming in last week and splitting reps with Glowinski, I think he looked good. And hopefully he's earned the right to kind of get a stranglehold on that position until Jokel comes back, assuming Britt plays with his ankle injury. So I think offensive line is really the question, right? If Britt can Britt play, it sounds like he's a go, but they hold him holding him out in practice until today on Friday before the game. Um, but offensively, you know, I want to see the creativity that was there last week. I liked I liked incorporating Tyler Lockett a lot more into the offense. You know, Doug Baldwin was doing his thing, which is not surprising at all, right? Uh, he's he's just turned into such an elite level wide receiver in this league. It's it's incredible. But you know, I would like to see more of the jet sweeps, more of the 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 Tyler Lockett targets because he he was basically a couple of minor overthrows away from having just a huge game. And he and Russ connect a lot on those plays. And I want to see them continue to try to go back to that. Well, because they will find success eventually in that T lock did go down with a bit of an injury in the giants game, but it looked to me and it's been reaffirmed that he had his breath knocked out on that particular play when he tried to leap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He got right in the chops, right in the mid midsection. And, you know, there was no work being done on any of his limbs or anything like that. He just needed to kind of regain his breath. I told you earlier this week I picked him up in a fantasy league, in a pretty deep league where he was available on waivers. And with the kind of the notion of, yeah, I I noticed deep ball opportunities, big play opportunities for him in the Giants game. And it was just a matter of an inch here or an inch there. And, you you know, Doug Baldwin, I always 
reflect on that amazing second half of the season that Russell Wilson had in 15 and that ridiculous tear, uh, historic tear, and Doug Baldwin having like 10 touchdowns in the last eight games of the season, um, or six games of the season, wasn't it? Ty and Jerry Rice's record for most touchdowns in a, in a six-game span. And I could see maybe not something historic, but something similar with, with T-Lock because Baldwin is already going to get his opportunities and his targets, especially on third down. But in terms of big play capability guy, um, I, I could see Lockett really surging in the second half of the season and being that weapon on the offensive side of the ball for the Seahawks that gets the attention of a lot of national guys. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Tyler Lockett's a real offensive asset and one of the best offensive players in the league. But he has not yet fulfilled that potential in the first half of the season and really in his career due to injury. I agree with you. I think he's poised to have a big second half. And he was going to last year, right, until he broke his leg. Oh, he had he he was having. I mean, yeah. that was week 16, right? So it was at yeah. the very tail end, but he was having a great second half. Yeah, he was having a great second half. You know, then you add Paul Richardson to the to the mix as well and how he's really come on and and is, you know, he's not the first or second option, but he's pop, you know, he's becoming a a popular target for Russell. The one thing I will say about Lockett that and you may not agree with me on this, can you stop taking the ball out of the end zone 8 yards deep on kickoff returns? <laughs> Can you stop, please? I know that I know that he's a dynamic returner, but pick your damn battles. Take a freaking knee. Uh, it's it's getting kind of frustrating watching him get tackled at the 19-20 yard line constantly, um, and putting his team back five yards to start drives. It, it it's like God, dude, take a knee. Like I know that you have a lot of confidence in your abilities, but you gotta pick and choose, man. Watch him go for a house call. He will. He'll like literally on be on if his foot is almost tapping the end, the back of the end zone out of bounds line and he'll run it back 110 yards for the score. And there will be a suck it Perkins sign in the front row and he'll go yeah. pose next to it. Old takes exposed will uh, get me on Twitter. <laughs> Seattle has the eighth best defense in terms of yards allowed per game. Just 304 yards allowed per game. Houston is 11th in the league, 310 yards per game. Both a couple of strong defensive units. What catches my eye about the Texans is, you know, obviously their defensive line has has been a strong suit of theirs. Seahawks just frankly got lucky with the J.J. Watt injury. Um, and it sucks for him because it, he's one of the best players in football and you never want to see an A-lister go down like that. But the feeling that I, you know, that we've had as Seahawks fans before when it's Aaron Donald against the offensive line or Calais Campbell historically against the offensive line, when one guy in particular has the capacity to simply wreck you, I think Jadavian Clowney still possesses those qualities. And I could see a scenario Sunday where it's like, my God, Clowney's in the backfield every other play. How are we going to stop this guy? And I'm, uh, it's fortunate for Seattle. They don't have to deal with Watt and Clowney on the field at the same time. But I think it would be short-sighted to overlook how talented and how good and how potentially dominant in the right matchup Jadavian Clowney can be. He is a really good football player. He really is. He's he's one of those guys, right, that I don't think has ever gotten the attention that maybe he's deserved. And that's I think part of it's the, the watch shadow, sure, right? The watch shadow. And then I think, you know, he had the injury, right, his rookie year and mm-hmm. was never able to play. Now, last year, Watt got injured at the end of the year, too. And then Clowney had that amazing wild card game against Oakland that the two interceptions, and I think he forced a fumble as well. And that was kind of what you were mentioning. That was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Clowney yeah. is an amazing football yeah. player, right? Yeah, it felt a little bit like after he was drafted and injured and everyone went, oh, he's a bust, you know, because he was such a high pick and everything. And he kind of just fell out of the limelight being overshadowed by Watt, but he's always been a really good player. I mean, he's been, ever since he's been able to get healthy in, in his career, he's been a good player. So I agree. He's one of those guys that can really be a game wrecker where he might have a couple of sacks, 
but he's also going to have quarterback hits, quarterback hurries, you know, all those little things that equate to drive killers. So Seattle's going to have to be really careful there. And I'm curious to see how they try to approach that uh, throughout this game because I agree with you. Uh, that's, a, I think, the biggest concern, right, on the Texans' defense, at least the way I look at it is in a, it feels like every week, you know, but, you know, you, guy, you have a guy that is a game wrecker in Jadavian Clowney, and you have to find a way to slow him down. You're not going to stop him, but slow him down. He plays the right outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme for the Texans. They've also lost Brian Cushing for the year as well. Um you know, it's amazing how many guys they've lost and have gone down. Remember A.J. Bowie, Bowie, who was a Pro Bowl corner last year, signs with the Jaguars in the offseason. They lose him. They do get Kevin Johnson back. He's a very good corner, playing left corner. And Jonathan Joseph, veteran in the league at right cornerback. Um, Marcus Burley plays on this team now as a backup to Jonathan Joseph at corner. And a name that people out here will recognize, uh, Tristan Decoot, the former Oregon State safety is also a defensive back in this Texans um, secondary as well. Pretty amazing to think about the number of guys that have gone down or have changed teams, and yet they're still a very successful defense. But I think that, you know, just for overall context and perspective's sake, fortunate for the Seahawks that they don't have to face the Houston defense at full strength. Because at full strength, I think it could be a top, top three unit in football. Yeah. And not only that, but you're talking about a top three unit rushing the quarterback, which is even more terrifying. So, right. yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, when you look when you look at it, I think Seattle's going to have opportunities, though. I, I do think that Houston's defense is good and they are going to make trouble and, you know, possibly, you know, force some turnovers or whatever. But I do think in the end, Seattle's going to have plenty of opportunities on that side of the ball offensively to make plays. Deshaun Watson will be helped by the return of his left tackle, Dwayne Brown. Now, Dwayne Brown's been holding out for half the year, uh, returning to the team this week in practice. I would imagine that he's going to start at the uh, left tackle position for Houston, even though they've been pretty decent at protecting the quarterback already this year. But we'll see if if Dwayne Brown has got any rust or if he's got to ease himself back in. I just just I it's not it can't be easy for a starting left tackle in the league your first game of the season halfway through the year to be in CenturyLink against that pass rush. Yeah, and that's the thing is is when you see that he ends his holdout, and I guess that was the plan all along is that he was going to end it, you know, the bye because the, the Texans too are we haven't mentioned it coming off a of bye, which is a um, also something to their advantage for sure. Good point. I mean, Seattle's still relatively fresh, right? They played one game, they had their own bye, so. But um, you know, you know, really quick before before you go on there, sorry, Bill O'Brien, one of just three coaches in the NFL, active coaches, um, to have won the week after their bye week three years in a row. I mean, he's he's led Houston to a win three straight years off the bye. So I would imagine this is probably their toughest test off a of bye that he's had in the last three years. But it shows that he has the ability to uh, galvanize his team after a two week stretch and get them to play well. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. and this team's already playing well, so it's you know that's definitely a wild card that you have to uh, take into account, don't you, going into this game? But yeah. I think that if you know O'Brien said this week, like we think that Brown's going to play, or so like he's being coy, but it, I mean he's playing, you know what I mean? But is there going to be rust? I think there will be to a, at least early in the game, right? Like there's a big difference between you know, simulating action and actually being involved in a real-time game on the road in hostile territory against a good defensive line. I mean, those are those are two different animals. So I do think that there could be some rust there and there could be a chance for Clark 
Blaney? I don't yeah, know. Someone know. to come in and take Br advantage. Brandon Jackson? You yeah. Know. Yeah, Brandon Jackson. That's a good one, too. Yeah. To come in and take advantage. You got to go after him, I think. You got to test him. You got to test him early. Early, yeah. And, uh, and see kind of what he looks and feels like. Do you know who plays right tackle for the Houston Texans? It's a return of a former Seahawk. Return of a former Seahawk. One of our faves. Um... Not Giacomini. It is. Giacomini. Breno. <laughs> Whose house? Breno. So that'll be fun. Bennett against Giacomini. How many fights are there going to be there? There's definitely going to be over under one and a half personal fouls in that matchup. I'm going to, I, I would take the over, but like you can eject people so easily now for that, that I'm going to take the under just, yeah. but I do think there's at least one. Now you do, <laughs> but at the very least, you know, both players are irritable. They know that about each other. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of ploys are done by either side to get under their skin. Giacomini. It's great. Classic. Great matchup. What do you think about the receiving core for the Texans against the Seahawks secondary? Because, you know, Hopkins, one of the best receivers in football, and he's never really had a quarterback to get him the ball, but he does now with Watson. Will Fuller has come back, and he is a great deep threat. I mean, he's got five touchdowns of his eight receptions. Five of them are touchdowns. So tremendous big play threat against the Seahawks secondary that's prided itself on limiting the big play, especially with Area 29 taking away a lot of the post and seam routes. People are a little bit split on this, especially the Fuller connection with Hopkins, you know, getting some extra attention. Will Fuller have an opportunity to lift the lid? Well, and I think, I don't know if this is fair, but the last few years... You know, Seattle's defense has allowed more explosive plays than I think we are used to seeing, right? Like, we've seen some lack of discipline or lack of being in the right spot yeah, uh, the last few years. I think the m most prime examples, though, have come when either Cam or Earl are out. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, no, that's fair. That's definitely yeah. happened, but at full strength, you know, the Titans game aside, that was, that was kind of fluky. At full strength, you know, it, it's still... A top unit in limiting explosive plays. Yeah. But you're right. We have at least seen them exposed at times before. Yeah, even early this year, there were there were some you know explosive plays where you're kind of left scratching your head. Obviously, one that comes to mind is the Panthers game, like literally the play after Earl Thomas broke his leg when, when uh, Cam Newton went yard last year, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and But, you know, I think of the Miami game last year, the drop when Earl let, uh, let I can't remember who it was behind him. Stills. Stills Kenny Stills behind yeah. him. Um, you know, but that was a bad game for Earl. Like I, I remember that game as kind of an outlier in his career. So I expect them to be better. And you know, you look at the way Shaq has played opposite Richard Sherman. He's looked really good this year. Um, there's just so much depth right now um, in that secondary that I think you have to feel pretty confident with the way they're playing. That being said, I still think there's a lot of nerves. At least for me, I don't know about you, but you know. There's some ghosts of the last few years that are kind of popping up about big plays and explosive plays that have that have happened, even with Earl Thomas or Cam on the sidelines. And I go, geez, yeah. I mean, this this game could be prime for that. Watson's throwing dimes. You have two really talented receivers that you just mentioned. Um, it's a scary prospect for sure. When I think of you know first year quarterbacks to have come into that building and play well, I mean, Brissett didn't play too bad that first half. You know, for the Colts, uh, even Johnny Manziel played okay. Yeah, for at least the first half when when Cleveland came in a couple years ago, um, we saw Gl Mike Glennon once upon a time go in there and take the Seahawks to overtime when he was with Tampa Bay, right? And he actually had a really good football game. So it wouldn't be the first time 
And I think Watson is more talented than any of those guys. It wouldn't be the first time that a rookie quarterback went in there and found success, which kind of brings up the game plan. You know, Seattle typically doesn't like to blitz much. But it would seem that if you want to try to get after a rookie quarterback, you try to confuse him with a lot of exotic blitzes that there's no way in hell he's ever seen these type of blitzes before. But that's not what the Seahawks do. They play pretty fundamental, and they make you out-execute them and then rely on that you're going to make a mistake because we're going to keep everything in front of us, and we're going to hit the tar out of people if and when they do make a catch. But you're going to have to keep executing over and over and over and over again in order to beat us and Granted, that's still a tough task for a rookie quarterback to do, but it gives them an opportunity to still complete some passes. So I'm interested to see how Watson approaches that. I would like to see them send Bobby Wagner a few times. And we've seen, uh, under Richard, we've seen more blitzes yes. from Seattle than, than Absolutely. in past years, without a doubt. But you're right. They're not going to drop some crazy game plan that involves like a Earl Thomas, like a safety blitz or like anything like that. I mean, you just don't really see that with Seattle that often. But it would be nice to watch, to see them send at least an extra man. Um, every now and then to mix things up, but yeah, I mean, this is this is not a no brainer to me. Like, and you know, as much as the crowd noise has has been a factor in years past, I think that teams have adjusted to that. It you know they know ways around that. Can it matter? Yes, and the energy matters for the players, but in the end, I don't think that it's as intimidating as it used to be because teams can prepare much better for it now. It can be intimidating once again. Once Seattle starts whooping up on good teams in that building, you know, part of that is just, you know, they've been beaten there before, right? I mean, they've been beaten by Arizona. They've been beaten there by Dallas. You know, they've been beaten there by some good teams in the past. So yeah, I saw a stat that I think, I think it's been since Russell Wilson has been with the Seahawks. Seattle has not lost at home to an AFC team, which is sounds right. I mean, not that there's been a lot of opportunities. (laughs) It's only what two a year, but um, you know, is this the first time it happens? I don't know. Seattle's been pretty good at home um, so, against teams that don't see them very often. Some AFC teams have come close, right? Miami and Buffalo last year were both close. Tampa. Well, that's an NFC team, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, I was thinking of um, I was thinking of the Titans. Um, the Titans game? Several yeah. years ago. That was That's a, what I meant. That was yeah, a really close with game. With the crazy like end to the first half. They were down at halftime. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was. Had to come back to win that game. Yeah. So, um, you know, teams that don't see Seattle as often. In their yard, maybe uh, you know, maybe there there is something to be said about that. Can't wait! Uh, Can't wait! Houston's running game is still deep with Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, the rookie out of Texas, and Alfred Blue, all probably getting uh, some good looks. So, all in all, though, still like the opportunity for Seattle to make Houston one dimensional, make them throw the football, maybe get after Dwayne Brown a little bit, and just see what he looks like in the first half, and ultimately make Deshaun Watson play four quarters of great football in order to win this game. Teddy Bruschi picked the Texans to upset Seattle in this game. Um, but I like where the Seahawks are at. I like what they're showing on offense. It'll be not, it would be nice if they got off to a fast start, maybe scored you know a touchdown in the first quarter. Um, that, it's been a while since that happened. But you know if they can get off on the front foot, start guarding a lead for the second half, I think Seattle could win this game by two scores. I'm feeling pretty confident. Yeah, and, and I think that what adds to that confidence is how – in how how in tune Russell Wilson looked with his offense last week mm-hmm. like that that to me gives me a lot of confidence early in the game like he was he was throwing you know you could just tell that he and his receivers were kind of in lockstep the offensive line was playing well you know it didn't take long for that team to get going it wasn't a three and out on their opening drive you know what I mean they were able to move the football 
Um, so that gives you a little bit more confidence, right? That they can come back and do that again at home, no less. Let's pick these games, shall we? Let's do it. I haven't tallied uh, what we're where we've I'm had winning so far. By about fifty, I think. It's more or less. <laughs> uh, Vikings Browns in London, six thirty a.m. NFL Network. Uh, you'll take the Browns. Interesting call, Perkins. You go in with Cleveland. I wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> do you think the Browns go over this year? They've got to find a win in there somewhere. This is the win in no London. Way. Really? Against in Minnesota? London, against Minnesota. All right. Good for you. I, you know, speak it into existence. They're going to lose by 20. <laughs> Raiders, Raiders in Buffalo against the Bills. Bills favored by two and a half. Raiders starting to play some pretty good ball. Marshawn Lynch suspended for this homecoming game. Um, Raiders, huge Thursday night win last week against Kansas City at the buzzer. Amari Cooper, over 200 yards receiving. Michael Crabtree, the game-winning scorer inside the pylon. Derek Carr, looks like he's doing all right. But again, no beast. LaShawn McCoy, two touchdowns last week for the Bills and a win over the Bucks at home. Who do you like, Bills Raiders? Marshawn Lynch has been pretty ineffective all year, to be honest. So I don't I don't think him being out is, is big of, that big of a deal. Give me the uh, Raiders to win this game on the road. I'll take Buffalo. I like Sean McDermott a lot. I think he's he's got some good uh, good stuff going with that defense. Poop fest in Cincy. Colts, Bengals. Nasty. Who makes us watch this game? <laughs> I feel I'll bad for anyone in those regions. <laughs> Cincinnati's a 10.5-point favorite. My gosh. I'll take Cincy. Yeah, I'm going to take Cincy as well. Chargers playing a lot better. They've won two straight. Bosa, Ingram look like great pass rushers right now. One of the best tandems in football. They're going to Foxborough, where the Patriots have lost twice this year. But they are 5-2, and two, and we all know the capabilities of New England. New England is a 7-point favorite to the Chargers in this rematch of the AFC title game from, I think, 2009. Yeah, a lot of players still on those teams uh, from, from those good battles. Rivers and Gates. <laughs> yeah, Rivers, Gates, and Brady. I think that's pretty much it, right? LaDainian Tomlinson still playing. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patriots. They, uh, you know what? Screw it. I'll go with L.A. Go with L.A.? Do they win by as many kids as Philip Rivers has, or is it a little closer oh, than that? definitely less. <laughs> <laughs> Bears, Saints, and New Orleans, really quickly, I just think the Chargers' offense is pretty pretty good. The Patriots' yeah. defense, I don't think is fixed by any means, despite holding Atlanta to zero points for 55 minutes. Um, I think Philip has a good game. For as hard as time as I give Philip Rivers, he's been playing really well last yeah. few weeks. So, But I, I just... That's, God, New England's already lost two at home. God, it's hard to imagine them losing three in a season, isn't it? Yeah. I mean. It really is. And like three out of four at home. But we won't I have mean. to imagine it after Sunday because it's going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Mike Glennon had eight completions last week. The Bears beat the Panthers at home 17-3. to And the Bears Trubisky? Had, yeah, who did I say? Mike Glennon. Oh, yeah. I meant Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> in practice last week. <laughs> yeah. Mitch Trubisky had eight completions. Eddie Jackson, the rookie out of Alabama, had two defensive scores for the Bears, and they win 17-3 in one of the more ugly football games of the year. But Chicago's got a good defense. It's what it, what they do. They just do, especially playing at home. The Saints, they got a good offense. Love what they're doing with Ingram and my boy Alvin Kamara. That was a great auction draft for me, picking up <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Um, and Breeze at home, right? Saints are 4-2. They've improved on the defensive side of the ball. It's still Storyline no one wants to talk about. The Saints are pretty good. The Saints are pretty good. They host the Bears. Saints favored by nine. I'll take New Orleans. Yeah, I'll take New Orleans. If you're a Seahawks fan, though, you are rooting hard for the Bears. Are we at that point yet? Where we're keeping an eye on the I think so. I, I, I am, for sure. 
there's all there, there are certain teams that I'm looking at, right? So Rams, Eagles, and Saints, and still a little bit Falcons. For me, it's Minnesota. See, that defense is dirty. Yeah, I. And I there's think a Seattle chance Bridgewater. Them, I, there's a chance Bridgewater can come back. If Bridgewater comes back, I'm more concerned. I just don't think that any team in that division without Aaron Rodgers now can beat Seattle, either at home or on the road. Yeah, I, I would be more wary of Minnesota than Atlanta. I just don't like where Atlanta's at now. Well, you know, Julio Jones is a big target for them. Well, let's so, let's okay. go there. <laughs> yeah. Falcons, Jets in the Meadowlands. I took the Saints, by the way. Obviously, Atlanta five and a half point road favorite. They just haven't been able to score very much. I mean, and it's been so disjointed. I mean, shut out for 55 minutes last week. They blew a 17-0 halftime lead at home to Miami. They lost at home to Buffalo. Unable to move the ball when they have to. And there's certainly a large discrepancy between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Sarkeesian as play caller. That's certainly concerning. Are you more, uh, when you're talking to Atlanta long-term, are you more of, hey, this is a midseason lull. They'll round themselves back into form. They'll go to the playoffs out of the NFC South. They're 3-3 three and three right now, one game back from New Orleans. Or is there a chance that this team is just systemically flawed this year and they're not going to be able to get themselves out of it? The reason why I said I was keeping an eye on Atlanta is just because I do think Matt Ryan's a really good quarterback. And I think in the end, if they can get a little winning streak going here, they'll be a force to be reckoned with if they can get into the postseason. But how many years have we seen this now where the runner-up can't do anything the following year. I mean, the Seahawks feel like the outlier there, right? Where they lose the Super Bowl and they're able to come back and have a pretty good following year. And they barely did. Yeah, it they, took like... They barely did, and they were six seed. Yeah. And should have lost a wild card game. Yeah. You're right. It's tough. It's tough to follow Super Bowl heartbreak, man. It is tough. It is. Well, and I, I got to tell you, I thought that they would play New England tough. You know, I thought they would be pissed with the way that the Super Bowl ended. Against a very vulnerable defense. Yes. I thought that they would want to prove something there. I mean, I know it's not the Super Bowl. You're not playing in the Super Bowl again. But wouldn't you be pissed off having to face the very team that beat you after blowing that lead, like the largest lead in Super Bowl history? Yes, I would. Wouldn't you come out with some energy and something to say about that? And they got embarrassed. It's crazy. I don't Especially know on the of offensive side of the ball. I just don't understand that. And yeah. It's got to be more than just the play calling. You know, guys got to play better. Yeah. But defensively, you hold the Pats at home to 23. That's okay. Yeah. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, Falcons, Jets. As for the Jets, they should have won in Miami last week. They didn't. McCown's actually playing okay. Safarian Jenkins turns out he's a decent tight end right now. Playing pretty well. If he stops fumbling out of the end zone, geez. Yeah, that was uh, not... I don't. I that mean, was just, that was just a I, tough call. <laughs> tough call. I don't think that's the word for it. It was horrible. Tony Corrente, the uh, referee for that game, said it was an obvious decision. Yeah, I love how he just doubles down on it. Screw him. Like that is such a bad call. I'm sorry. That is just that's three fumbles out of the back of the end zone in the last three weeks. By the way, incredible. Like, even it's incredible. The one, even the one that Seattle that they that. Ended up being a safety in the Rams game for Seattle. I thought that was like kind of 50 50. It's close. When I saw it, I'm like, that's a big decision that you're making right there. Like, you are flipping the field completely. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll take the Saints Jets. He's, it's Falcons. <laughs> One, Jets. two, three. Saints. It's Falcons. <laughs> Jets. Oh, wait. Jets. Falcons. Falcons. 
Sorry. You already picked the Saints in the game where we were Look, picking I think the Saints. I've, I've had the Saints game. on my mind. <laughs> 49ers, Eagles. Eagles favored by Eagles. 12 and a half. Only 12 and a half. Yeah. Eagles. Ertz is killing it. So is Wentz, obviously. Panthers. But, oh, by the way, Eagles defense. Nasty when they're healthy, man. And they are getting healthier. Although, Jordan Hicks, linebacker, out for the season. And, and you lose your left tackle. Left tackle yeah. Jason Peters out for the yeah. season. That is certainly something to keep an eye on. It is. It is. Absolutely. I don't think it's going to matter as much in this game, but I do think moving forward, those are two significant, yeah. significant injuries. I want to see if DeForest Buckner, you know, former Duck, can take advantage. Yeah, but in the end, I don't know if it'll... I guess my Not point in this being, game, right? like, yeah. in this game, I don't know if it's going to give them the L, but it could have an impact long-term for sure. Panthers, Bucks, and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay a two-point favorite. Cam Bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Although he's not really thinking any ma'am lately. Pretty misogynistic. Wow, uh, what, what's season. going on right now? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm he's about just, to walk out of this. He's, uh... he's, made, uh, he's made some uh, questionable questionable comments in his, in his press Next conferences. Next question. Yeah, and he's, you know, he, he ripped on a female reporter. It was yeah, that was bad. Too kind. Yes. That's where I was going with that yeah. ill-advised joke. Panthers, Bucks, and Tampa Bay. <laughs> I'll take... Uh, Boy, this is a tough one. Keekly, Mike Evans, uh, Tampa Bay by field goal. Carry the one, solve for X. Give me the Panthers. Love it. Cowboys, uh, Redskins. Fox has this one, 125 p.m. I will take, uh, boy, I've been a Dallas doubter. I picked them to miss the playoffs this year. I picked Philly to win the division. This is in Washington, and Dallas is a two-point road favorite. Zeke is playing. Washington not uh, in fine form after losing to the Eagles Monday night. But I'll go ahead with the fighting Kirk Cousins at home. This is a big game for both of these teams. Both sitting at 500, right? Yeah. And an interdivision game. Give me the Cowboys. I really like Dak Prescott a lot. I like him. <sighs> I've been a... I like Prescott, too. I don't love him. I just thought... I think there's a chance last year was the best year of his career in terms of ceiling. Because offensive line just was incredible. He had ten seconds to throw every ball. How, who couldn't do well there? You're starting a franchise. You're giving. You're starting it with Kirk Cousins over Dak Prescott. Starting with Deshaun Watson over both of them. Well, no, no, no. But in this matchup specifically, um, if they were both like you had to draft a quarterback for your team, like you're 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 the thirty third team, in and the I NFL. both had them for the same amount of time. Like say they were both age twenty three or so. Yeah. I would take uh, I would take Kirk Cousins. Okay, I would take Dak, which I think explains why we're picking this way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would take Kirk Cousins. Steelers, Do you like that? Steelers, Lions on Sunday Night Football. I really like the aesthetics of this matchup. Um, one of the greatest Steelers of all time is from Detroit, Jerome Bettis. Um, Pittsburgh, a three point road favorite on Sunday night. That team, to me, most balanced team in football, arguably. Kansas City's in there too, but. When they're playing really well, that's the best team in the AFC right now. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they get it done on the road. I think Martavis Bryant has a huge game. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Watch Golden State start asking for a trade. <laughs> <laughs> They'll trade them for each other in the it, middle of the game. It's like a disease. They just pass it on. It's contagious. <laughs> Give me the Lions. I think I think Detroit really? Detroit smells blood in the water in the division, right? They have to know that they have a chance to still win that division. They should, yeah. Um, so g- give me Detroit. I think they realize how important this game will be at home. This is a big deal. Le'Veon has had 30 or more rushes in three of the last four games for Pittsburgh, and they've won all those games. You know, when you ask Ben to throw 22 times or less, complete 16 balls, and have 10 of them go to Antonio Brown, 
and have the rest go to Le'Veon and maybe a one or two to Juju. That team's good, and on defense, they're good. They're just good. They're a good team. And it is good they have a good, a solid running game right now because you have a quarterback that's like questioning whether or not he has it anymore. It's interesting. So, yeah. It's good that you can lean on a guy like Le'Veon Bell. This is a good matchup. I'm going to watch it for sure. Yeah. Monday night, decent one. Broncos to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs. Broncos, what are they doing? They got shut out on the road at the L.A. Chargers. Uh, they lost at home Sunday night to the Giants the week before that. This could be the low point of their season. They're 3-3, three and 0-2 three, oh on the road. The Chiefs coming off two straight losses themselves I know. in the span of four days, but now they played on Thursday night and they play the following Monday night. That's an 11-day rest. I like the Chiefs at home. They're seven-point favorites. Very similar to what Seattle's going to be doing in a few weeks where they play the Cardinals Thursday night then have a big Monday night against Atlanta. So It's a great spot to be in. Uh, I mean, 11 days rest isn't bad. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with all that being said, give me the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to Seahawks Texans uh 105 kick CBS on Sunday afternoon. Already broken it down. Seattle is a five and a half point favorite. The over under for this game is forty six. Sounds about right. Um I just like the Seahawks. I think they'll they'll find some legs, they'll make enough big plays to win this football game by a final score of twenty nine to twenty two. Twenty nine. How do you get to twenty nine? Let's see. It can happen. Extra point and yeah. three field goals. Okay. Any any score is possible. Now we've seen the Seahawks. Especially put up in some Pete Carroll. Like you should put weird up weird scores. Yeah, yeah. Scoregami. 43-18 Indianapolis game, right? Yeah, they've had some... That's the first time that's ever been the case. Yeah, Forty three to eight. That was the first time that's ever been the case. <laughs> Super Bowl in thirteen, yeah. Give me Seattle 34-24. Well, that's unconventional. <laughs> I really went out of the box. Wow, thirty four twenty four. That is that's a lot of points. It is. It's 58 points. The over-under is 46. I think Seattle's you going put the to, money on I the over. The dam's going to break. All right. Dam breaks. And I think that I think that once again, though, the Texans are too good not to score. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're going to have opportunities. So, Well, if the Seahawks win, they'll be 5-2. and two. They'll be 3-0 and oh at home. And they will have a home game with the best quarterback in the world, Kirk Cousins, coming up in the following week. Did you hear what I just said? No. <laughs> Hopefully Perkins listens to the podcast and he'll find out what I just said. We'll come back on Monday to review it all. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Tudor Newby, 1029thegame.com.